Eits jolla kali. Hey y'all, what's up? You're about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, live music, booty bump and beats, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start. Five, four, three, two, one. Due to the coronavirus, the following show is being produced and broadcast by the Yolokali youth from their homes. So sit back, relax at home, and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. You're listening to WLPN LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And this is the second episode of What's Up Season 16. I am Emmanuel hosting the first 30 minutes of this show. To celebrate our fifth year on the airwaves, let's hop into the What's Up time machine to revisit and re-experience some of our favorite and best productions in What's Up history. what they call us. The outskirts of society. The authors of crime. Take a look at us. Is it because of my dark skin that you think I'm gonna shoot you? Is it because of the borders I've crossed that you think I'm not a part of and that I do not belong in this nation? Is it my sexual orientation that makes me a sinner? Is it because I'm just a woman that you think I'm inferior, that I don't have what it takes? Is it because I'm just another adolescent that makes you think that I don't have control over my decisions, that I don't have a voice? Yet here we are, speaking to you, letting you know loud and clear that we are not a group of kids with guns. No walls can stop us. No laws will silence us. No white privileges are needed here to succeed. We will not let our dreams be diminished. Yes, we are surrounded by violence, injustice, poverty. However, that's just it. Those things are the things that give us a reason to speak up. That move us and inspire us to own the battleground we stand on. Once that microphone's in front of us, we become the definition of dominance. Every word we write, every word we say, is powered with creativity, strength, invincibility, and rage. No stereotypes. No gender roles. No 45th president will break us. We are dangerous. We are unafraid. We're the misfits. The weirdos. The Fruit Loops and the Cheerio Box. But hey, it's our differences that define us. Not that sickening and weakening word. Minorities. Through thick and thin, we're proud to be who we are. We are Yolokali! We've been keeping it weird and real since 1997. Did you include the fact that we love pizza? Wait, what? We recording? <laughs> <laughs>
Hey guys, it's Emilio. I'm here with Emmanuel. Hello. And we're gonna interview some of our friends right here at Jolo Cali. Crew in the background. Yeah, about food. Hello, what's your name? Zipporah. Hello, Zipporah. Do you prefer Cheetos or Takis? Cheetos. Do you prefer popsicles made with water or milk? Milk. Do you prefer flan or cake? Cake. Hello, what's your name? My name is Selena. Do you prefer soda or our juice? Soda. Do you prefer do you prefer frozen yogurt or ice cream? Ice cream. Do you prefer pizza or tacos? Uh, I don't know actually. Say an answer now. Well, if I said pizza, I would be like um, you know, a normal teenager. But if I said but like I would be like, you know, too long things. <laughs> Do you prefer pineapple on pizza or no pineapple on pizza? Pineapple on pizza. Thanks for your time. Hello, sir. What's your name? Brian. Papichulo Cruz. Do you like Cheetos or Takis? I like Cheetos better. Do you like juice or soda? Soda. you prefer pineapple on pizza? Hell yeah. <laughs> Hello. Hello. What's your name? <clears throat> Hello, what's your name? Kiwi. Do you like Cheetos or Takis? Cheetos. Do you like frozen yogurt or, or ice cream? That's a hard choice. I like both. Can I, can I just say that? No, you can't say that. Wow. <laughs> My choices are being declined here. I would say I like frozen yogurt better. Do you prefer pineapple on pizza? Disgusting. Is that, is that your answer? Disrespectful. Disrespectful. <laughs> Hello, can we ask you a few questions? Oh, hey, hi, guy. Hi. Hi, what's your name? Jaime. Okay. Do you like Cheetos or Takis? Uh, Takis. Do you um, like soda or juice? Juice. Do you prefer pineapple on pizza? Yes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. That was Emmanuel and Emilio. And uh, we just finished asking our yellow students. You just ruined it. You need to shut up. Why do you sound like that? Who, me? Okay, guys. Thank you for listening to us. Remember to follow us on Yellow College. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you for listening. And we just finished interviewing little kids and... The background crew at Yolo Kali Productions. <laughs> Don't forget to keep listening to What's Up. <sighs> that was What Food Do You Prefer by Emilio Gonzalez and me from the What's Up Food Show back in spring of 2017. Wow, that was such a long time. And it was so good to hear some familiar voices. We heard Yahida, Brian, Cecilia, Zapora. Dang, that's from an old generation. Oh, well, moving on. So up next, we've got an interview Jacqueline Delgado and I did for the 2017 summer project, Portraits of Little Village, where we walked around Little Village and interviewed residents, visitors, and even street vendors. Here's our interview with Guadalupe Perez, more commonly known as Don Lupillo, who sadly passed away this past year, 2020. He was a beloved member of the Little Village community and played such a pivotal role in everybody's spring and summers, vending raspados in 26th Street for over 20 years. Raspados de frutas naturales en el lupio.
Guadalupe Pérez. Pues la idea de, pues, de, de poner el propio negocio de uno, esa es la idea. Sí, o sea, este, vendíamos paletas y de ahí, pues, mi hermano tenía un carrito y dice, no, pues él sabe hacerlo, dice, sabes qué, vete a vender. Mejor, te da que vendas lo tuyo, no vendes lo de otra persona. Llevamos aquí vendiendo, aquí 18 años, 18 años vendiendo, sí, y este, que sabemos hacerlos más o menos, esa, esa, esa fecha, 18 años, sí. Pues mire, no es que me guste, nosotros necesitamos ver que ganemos dinero, aunque no nos guste el trabajo, ¿Eh? el chiste es que salga para vivir. ¿Eh? Sí. Porque, por ejemplo, si nos va a gustar un trabajo y no saquemos lo que tenemos que sacar, no es sencillo. Hay personas que dicen me gusta, va, pero no este, pero no venden lo que debe de ser. Y nosotros, aunque no nos guste, pero si vemos que está produciendo. Tenemos que echarle ganas, entonces echarle ganas en todo. Ese es el detalle. Sí. Pues sí, me dijo te voy a dar el carrito, te voy a enseñar cómo hagas los sabores y quieres mejor dedicar. Ok, está muy bien. Aquí en este lugar nos corría la policía, regresábamos otra vez y nos echaban la policía a una unión que había. Uh -huh que nunca ha estado registrado, nunca ha hecho nada de esa unión. Entonces nos corría, nos íbamos y ahí nos paraba la gente a cuántos metros y nos volvíamos a regresar hasta que ya por fin nos dejaron. Pedimos permiso con el dueño de la tienda. Él también vino y dice, sabe que yo no quiero muchos vendedores. <coughs> Hablamos personalmente con él, hicimos ver las cosas. Nosotros no perjudicamos a nadie, al contrario, vamos a hacerle gasto. Gente que nos va a comprar a nosotros viene aquí de una vez y lleva sus cositas. Entonces, como ven, le digo, nosotros necesitamos trabajar, necesitamos que usted nos deje. Porque si el dueño de la tienda no quiere que estemos aquí, no nos deja. Él habla a la policía, ¿sabe qué? Quiero que lo quiten en mi local. Nos quitan. Ahí. Entonces, ya hablamos con él y hasta la fecha. Él viene, me saluda, el señor muy amable. ¿Qué pasó, señor? ¿Cómo le ha ido? Muy bien. Ok, échele ganas. No es de las personas que digan, no, pues, ¿sabes qué? Eh, principalmente, como se puso la nevería ahí de los mangos, eso nos echaba la policía. Pero hablé con el dueño y dijo, no están enfrente de su local. Si estuvieran enfrente de su local, si quieren decirles algo, que vengan y que me digan a mí. ¿Corre? Y como vieron que llamaron a la policía, la policía no nos movió. Porque ellos decían que estábamos enfrente de su local. No lo podemos quitar porque no están enfrente de su local. Ok, entonces nos dejaron. No, que la gente que me conoce y todo, y la gente que compra, pues... Yo, a mi parecer, puedo decir que están muy sabrosos, ¿verdad? Uh -huh. La gente es la que debe dar la opinión. Así serían los mejores de aquí, de, los mejores de Chicago. Pues ya teniendo práctica, pues, 
tengo cinco puestos, en dos horas hago todo. Pongo en cada carro, veo lo que le falta a uno, lo que le falta a otro y, y tengo una persona que me ayuda. Una, el rompope con vainilla es el que se vende, 100%. Pues de rompope vendo dos o tres frascos al día. Pero cuando está bueno, vendo tres, cuatro. Sábado, domingo, cuatro, cinco, cuatro, cinco. Yo, más aparte de mis vendedores. Sí. Pues, mire, no tengo la cuenta de vasos, pero al día vengo vendiendo diario, entre semana, arriba de 400 dólares. Yo, yo arriba de 400. Y sí, pero pues, de todas maneras, mientras se pueda, pues, tenemos que luchar mientras pueda porque ya con el tiempo ya ¿no? <ríe> sí. bueno yo siempre estoy aquí en el 26 central park eh, pues, mi, mi, mis carros siempre están rotulados en lupillo porque la gente sí me conoce lupillo sí. in a world where pizza is no more What? There's no pizza? Oh my goodness. Will people be able to survive? We're all gonna freaking die, man! Can you guys be quiet? I'm trying to wish La Rosa de Guadalupe. There's no pizza. Why aren't you panicking? <gasps> There's no more pizza! We're screwed! No! no. The pizza no. is gone! Why? Marito! He doesn't want slice. Give me that! Hey, back up! Well there, chill guys. Jesus Christ. Wait. What about tacos? Oh yeah. The end of the pizza. Rated R. Oh yeah. <laughs> Can I do it again? You all just heard... In a World by Cecilia Ruiz from back in fall 2016 when she documented the addiction Yolokali students had with pizza since 1997. She's so crazy. Up next, let's take a listen to Titanium by Camila, Emilio, and Cesar, made in spring of 2018. Camila and Cesar are aboard the Titania, and at the distance, there's a landfill like an iceberg. What a nice cruise this is, Juan! I know, right, Rosa? What will be the likelihood that I'll sink? It's not like that will ever happen. Attention all passengers, please remain calm. I repeat, please remain calm. We do not have everything under control. I repeat, we do not have everything under control. The whole boat is going to sink. Holy guacamole! We just had a landfill! Stay here with you. Rosa, I love you. If only people didn't throw trash into the ocean.
give me your name. Vanessa Sanchez, 37. And what role do you have here at Yolo? I'm Yolo Valley Artsreach Director. And what kinds of changes has Yolo made in order to be more environmentally friendly? Uh, the biggest change we made is not having disposable cups. Um, so usually we have disposable cups for water for the students to, you know, drink. Um, and we took all those away, bought some like glass cups and mugs, um, and now it's up to the young people to wash their cups after they're done. Um, and then also with uh, cutlery, so we don't have any plastic forks, knives, spoons, so that's another thing if they need to use it. They get the silverware and then they wash it at the end. Um, so those, those are the two biggest things. And then um, hopefully we're trying to get an actual uh, recycling bin so we can actually recycle. Hello, and we are back. Don't forget that you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio. And this is the What's Up Time Machine. You all just heard Titanium by Camila, Emilio, and Cesar, followed by Yolocali Goes Green, made by Adrian Villanueva in fall of 2019. I love those audio pieces so much because I am all about the earth and keeping this planet green. Y'all throw away your trash, don't let it pile up in the ocean. That's inappropriate, uncalled for, and unnecessary. We don't need all of that plastic. Throw it away. And shout out to Vanessa. Hey, we heard a familiar voice when Adrian interviewed her. Shout out to you. I do remember the day down to the exact moment when I went to go get myself a refreshing cup of water and the cups were not there and I was devastated. But it's all for the better of the earth, y'all. We got rid of the cups and from then I had many water bottles that I had to bring in to eliminate waste. However, I will say that the little recycling thing that they tried to get on, I do not remember that happening before quarantine, but we're just gonna ignore that. Mm -hmm, Yes, the cups, yes. So up next, let's hear Chicano Echo made by Camila and Melissa in summer of 2018. Mamá, vino un paquete. Ah, ¿qué es eso? ¿Es para mí? Ma, ¿dónde andas? Estoy en la cocina viendo la novela. Ven para acá. Es para todos nosotros. It's called Chicano Echo. Is it on? It's always on. It only hears you with the command we chose, Alejandra. ¿Y qué hace? Alejandra, what do you do? Yo puedo poner unos corridos. Yo puedo corregir your Spanglish or Chicano vocab. When novelas are streaming and fit all your Chicano needs. Alejandra, play La Chona. La Chona. Puede igualar y la chona se mueve y la gente le grita. No es mejor que la chona para la quebradita y la chona se mueve al ritmo que le toquen. Ella baila de todo. Nunca pierdes el A ver, I wanna try. Alejandra, ¿qué hora empieza mi my novela? A las 4. Ma, you don't need to yell. Tiene far field technology, so puede oírte from all over the room. Alejandra is really neat. You can ask it lo que quieras and it tells you. Just the other day I asked. Alejandra, el timer para frizar el pollo. Do you mean congelar? ¿Qué me dijiste? No, ma, relax. She corrects your Chicano grammar. Quita esa cosa de aquí. Mom doesn't like Alejandra all that much. 
She does, however, like using it on my brother like yesterday. Alejandra, put a reminder for Cesar to clean the house. Putting a reminder for Cesar to clean the house. And también to throw out the trash. Putting a reminder for Cesar to throw out the trash. Alejandra, play my cleaning playlist. Playing your cleaning playlist now. I still see your shadows in my room. Can't take back the love that I gave you. It's to the point why I love and I hate you and I cannot change you. With everything that Alejandra Echo, she's becoming a big part of the familia. To experience Alejandra Echo, go to your local garra today. Did you know in the U.S. clothing industry, sizes 14 and above are typically considered plus size? Though, when you have hips as wide as mine, thighs so thick, a yummy looking muffin top, and a behind this juicy, that word really doesn't, hmm, what's the word? Fit us well. Plus size doesn't describe us gods and goddesses taking corporeal form, filled with so much celestial energy and greatness that our bodies had to accommodate, creating the stretch marks, the folds, and the cellulite on our bodies. Symbols of holy beings deserving of praise and glorification. Hi, I'm Marie, and Doja Cat's Juicy is my gospel song. Doja Cat, or I'm probably gonna butcher this, Amalia Ratna Zandile Dalmini is an American rapper, singer, songwriter, and record producer who was born and raised in Los Angeles. I'm not entirely sure whether Doja Cat struggled with image issues growing up or even right at this moment in the spotlight of stardom. I do know that most people who look like me do struggle with image issues. I want those people to know that it's okay not to meet society's standard of beauty. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Not in the number on the scale, not in the number of stretch marks or love handles, and definitely not in the average number of plus size jeans. I want to let them know that they don't have to try and force themselves into molds that don't fit us. We weren't all made with the same universal cookie cutter. The so-called imperfections on our skin aren't mistakes or things to solely define us. We are diverse beings inside and out. The US clothing industry can take their typically considered plus size elsewhere. Plus size doesn't fit the fact that we're all juicy in our own way. That was Keeping It Juicy by Marie Miras. For the spring 2020 series, You Can't Touch Music, But Music Can Touch You, where your story, your way students reflected on their favorite songs and albums from the past year. Lastly, let's listen to my audio piece from the What's Up show, Your Whore, Your Way 2.0, from back in 2016, about the Mexican urban legend, Awisotl. Hello, my name is Emanuel Ramirez. I'm 13 years old. The name of my creature is Awisotl. Um, I chose my creature because it looked like a very creative and intricate kind of creature story. Yeah. And my creature is known as um, a spiny um, aquatic thing. And it's like a creature that lives in the water. And it pulls its victims into the water. And when people find their bodies on the shore, they're missing their teeth, their eyes, and their nails.
Yo, let's go in the water. Wake up, wake up. Uh, who's waking me up? Let's go, it's me. Let's go in the water. Okay, let's go in the water. Anniversary. We've been together for so long. Oh, yeah. Oh, Thank you so much. This water is so nice. Oh, my God. Oh, the water is so nice out here in that breeze, though. Be a little good in all my epic. Yes, this water feels so good. Where you grabbing my foot, Laquiqui? I'm not, boy. Girl, you. Ooh, that hurt. Yo, I'm not grabbing your foot. Get back up. Get back up. Girl, I'm And we are back. <laughs> oh my God, that piece is so ridiculous. The buffoonery that I used to pull off. <laughs> that was Awi Sotul from Your Whore, Your Way 2.0. Oof, me and Zipporah was a dangerous duo, y'all. Never again on the radio together. <laughs> now, this is the end of my personal trip through the Yolokali time machine, but not yours. <laughs> So sit back, relax, and enjoy the rest of the show. You're listening to WLPN LP Lumpin Radio, broadcasting from Chicago, 105.5 FM. Okay, just a few more things. Hammer? Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Can't believe we're almost done. Our lifetime work almost completed come to fruition in it last step by god we've done it oh my god Octavia I'm so happy Zaza we finally completed time travel I can't believe it it's been our only one dream our goal wanna take this bad boy out for a spin of course let's get it started right away <laughs> Where do you want to go? Or shall I say, when do you want to go? I think the 2000s should be a, a pretty good bet. What do you think? Yeah, why not? Alright, let me just set it. Okay. Yeah. Go! This is incredible! Say, why don't you... Turn on the radio there. Let's kick back and relax. Yeah, why don't you fetch us a couple of drinks from the fridge? Of course. I'll be sure to grab the Super Kip Go-Go drink. Good for on the go-go. Now available in four more flavors with 25 additional nutrients. And here you go. Thank you. Nice and creamy. Mimi, talk of the day. Inclusivity by Marilyn Baye. Hey y'all, I'm Mimi, Gigi and Didi's goddaughter. I love my godparents because they are funny and caring. 
One thing I have learned from my godparents is how diverse their world is and how unique they are. Even the way they fight, even the way they drag each other into the mud. Now that we're talking about diverse worlds, I started to learn about diversity. Did you know that it means to be different? I mean, look at my godparents. Two gays that love each other, but at the same time can't stand each other. LOL. Gigi is bold, independent, and friendly, and is unique because he likes guys. And Didi is funny, outgoing, and chic. He is also one of a kind because he likes guys too. That is their beauty, and that's what I like about the LGBTQ plus community. The LGBTQ plus community is a diverse group of people that create their own families of loving souls. They should be free of judgment. And what does it mean for the community to bond with their families? Is it you and me burning Gigi's wigs and extensions? It's Wait a minute! Squeeze me? No, it's about being inclusive no matter what. Gosh! Tell, Tell us what it means, means to be inclusive. inclusive! Inclusivity is when everyone is a part of something and going a step further when you make someone a part of something. Is bonding over makeup inclusive when you make someone else a part of something? Yes. Just like two wonderful cosmetic brands that came out with makeup products to donate all their proceeds from their launch to LGBTQ plus shelters. They know how to be inclusive. So now you know to be diverse is to be different in your own unique way. And inclusivity is to include everybody and everyone to be a part of the community. Wow. We sure have come a long way since back then. Yes, it's crazy. Well, why don't you say uh, we try another station, yeah? Yeah, why not? My Destiny as a Chicken by Brian Cruz Who am I? What is this place? It's so dark in here. Maybe I should try to get out. No, everything is brighter, but not as bright as I thought it would be. I still don't know where I am. It smells horrible in here. What's the smell? I want to walk, or at least stand up, but my legs are too weak. I've been looking around, and I notice others like me, trying to walk as well, but unable to. One of them is crawling towards me. He told me his name, which is Max, and he asked me for my name, but I don't have one. And it makes me think, should I be called something? Where am I? I stopped thinking about that when Max pointed his wing to my right. Everyone knows stares in the same direction. Are we in a cage? But why are we here? Who put us in here? Watch out, someone's coming. Wait, why are you holding me? Let me go. Hmm. What was that for? I look outside the cage and see others like us. But some are a little bit old, and others are even older than the old ones. They look sick and sad for some reason. I can still see them, 
Someone's getting the other ones out of their cage. They're taking them. But where? Everyone in my cage started wondering the same thing. The ones across our cage are telling us that they're being moved to a different cage. Others say that some terrible stuff is going to happen to them. I'm skeptical. I don't know what to think. I'm so confused. Wait, what's that? Max is standing on his legs. What if I try to do the same thing? I did it, I'm walking. I started walking around, but there's not much to travel. Our cage is too small. No, what? What are these little balls? They smell good. Whoa, they're delicious. Is this what they call food? It's really good. I love food now. Max and I have been really good friends since we met. We always talk about the outside world. Always like outside the cages, who are those giants, and stuff like that. I just enjoy talking to him about this. I could talk to the others as well, but they don't have the same curiosity. <sighs> Anyways, I've realized that there's a routine every day. The giants feed us, check the cages, and take the other ones out of theirs. It's the same thing every single day. I wonder what's the real destination. I feel so jealous. I wish Max and I could go with them. I want to know how's out there so bad. It's been a while since everything started. I've been living the same routine every single day. Get fed, being checked by the giants, and the older ones being taken out of their cages. There hasn't been any different day. I mean, I don't really care anymore. I'm used to it already. Plus, Max is with me. He's the one who makes everything interesting. He's like my brother. Always being there for me when the others make fun of me. But he has been acting a little bit weird lately. He doesn't talk as much as before and don't eat at all. I think he's sick. He tells me that he'll be fine. That is just a small cold. I hope it is. I'm worried. He looks worse every day. Max looks really sick. What can I do? I really want to help him, but I just don't know how. He's shaking so badly. He's cold. I'm laying next to him. Try to cuddle to keep him warm. He can barely talk. Suddenly, he falls asleep. So do I. Huh? What now? I try to wake up Max, but he's not responding. Wake up! Wake up! Nothing. He must be really tired because it seems that he wouldn't wake up easily. The giants are reaching to him. No! Leave him alone! Where are you taking him? I hear them talk, but I'm unable to understand what they're saying. The others are telling me not to worry. They say that he's going to be in a better place. I don't understand. Where is that better place? Wait. I get it now. They took Max to cure him. Yes, that's it. 
Since he's really sick, the giants noticed it and decided to help him. Suddenly, I'm really, really happy about it. Max is going to be fine after all. He also has made an outside cage. Isn't that awesome? I'll be waiting patiently so I can ask him how's the outside world. I'm so excited. It's been so long. I haven't bring Max back. I wonder if he's doing okay. His sickness must have been really bad since they're taking so much time to cure him. I just hope he comes back soon. I really miss him. He's my only friend, and it's so boring without him. I just wish he was here right now. Huh? Feeding time? <gasps> Wait. They're taking us outside the cage. Could be that. Yes! I'm finally going to see the outside world! I can't believe this is actually happening! I wish Max was here. Wait. But what is he out there waiting for us? Oh my god, I'm so excited! I wonder where we're going first. Hmm. What is the matter thing? It's huge. Wait, I think... Whoa! Yes, I knew it. We're inside the machine now. It is transporting us somewhere. Our destination is unknown. I turn to my right and notice that one of the others is looking at me. But I've never seen him before. I get closer to see him better. But for my surprise, he does the same thing. I take a step to the side and once again, he does it too. Is he making fun of me? Wait, I'm looking at myself. It's my reflection in that metal wall. I look like the others I have been taking before. Sick, sad, miserable. I can't stand looking at myself. I can't believe that's actually me. Huh? I see something at the end of the machine. It seems that it has an ending. Suddenly, everyone starts panicking. What's going on? Why are they so scared? And then it hit me. I see that at the end there are some type of sharp saws that will cut everything in their way into million pieces. Before being taken here, I didn't know what was my purpose in this world, what I was, and why I'm here. But now, I understand everything. It is clear to me that this is my destiny as a chicken. You know, I have one question. Yeah, what is it, Octavius? Now, what the heck is a chicken? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I felt like such an oh, idiot. Oh, man. Yeah, all we got is silent back on our planet. Ode to My Dad by Jacqueline Cruz. Estás feliz? Sí, estoy feliz por el momento porque tengo una familia que he deseado con mis hijos y mi esposo que se la llevan bien. ¿Tú qué pensaste de cuando mi papá se fue? Yo pensé que me dio mucho coraje porque dejó a tu mamá y yo lo miraba un buen hombre. Dad, I missed you. You missed my first words. 
You missed my first steps. You missed my first birthday. You missed my first certificate. You missed my first basketball game. You missed my first diploma. You missed my first day of high school. I was 10 years old when I found out on my own that I was going to grow up without a dad. Do you ever think about me? How I would feel? Alone? Each night, I lay back and think about you, just thinking about how you left us. Tears fall down my eyes, furious, angry, unhappy. How could a young girl feel all these emotions? You missed me growing up. You could have gave us a chance to be a happy family. My mom, you, and me. You could have felt all the love from us. ¿Cómo te sientes criándome sola? A veces me siento desesperada porque yo pensé en las que iban a hacer las cosas diferente con, con el papá de Jacqueline porque primero habíamos platicado algunas cosas, pero al momento que se dieron las cosas cambió toda la relación entre él y, y yo de que se hicieron puras mentiras. You went all the way to my grandparents' house to propose to my mom. Did you ever think about what you were going to do after? ¿Cuál decisión hiciste cuando mi papá te pidió la mano de mi mamá? Me dio gusto porque yo pensé de ese hombre que era bien para mi hija. El tiempo y ya no supe más. We have a strong bond. We go out everywhere. We have fun. I trust my mom. I tell her all my personal things, like about my first love. My mom met him. She was happy for me. But boy, was she really overprotective about me getting hurt. I wonder why. No. ¿Qué quieres que sepa cuando empieza a salir con niños? Que se dé a respetar. Que haga las cosas bien. No nada más porque tus, las amigas le digan, ya tienes la edad suficiente para salir adelante. A mí para que no hagas cosas de las que después te puedas arrepentir de ir embarazada antes y es mejor primero platicar conmigo y no hacer cosas que no deberes de hacer, tenerme confianza, platicarme todo, no primero a las amigas y al último a mí. I'm so lucky to have her by my side. I don't have words to explain how much I love her. Dad, you miss my beginnings. You will miss the rest. But I still love you. Goodbye, Dad. To all those girls and boys that grew up without a parent, don't stress over it because you always have someone that loves you. Appreciate what you have and make the best out of it. Friendship. Jorge Mantiel.
Oh. Did you see that one? The girl who made the donut. It's called the Milkman. It's on World Stars. Check it out. Me. I don't got a cup though. <laughs> <laughs> So that's what life really sounded like back then. Yeah, it seemed like a pretty fun time, I would yeah, say. Let's take it for a spin. How about another one? Let's try our luck this way, huh? Rethinking Immigration by Andrea Flores. When we talk about migration, there are some narratives that are quite dangerous. When Mexico sends its people... They're not sending their best. And no, I'm not talking about those comments. Let's not waste our energy talking about that because we already know those are problematic. Also, not every immigrant is from Mexico. Let's just make that clear. I'm talking about the other comments, the ones that politicians, advocates, and even immigrants themselves use. Immigrants make America great. We saw this happening a lot with the Trump campaign. It was an anti-Trump kind of sentiment. The thing about this statement, though, is that America is not made up of mostly immigrants. Let me take it back a bit. We need to remember that the U.S. is built on stolen land. When white people came here, they killed and raped indigenous people. Even the land that we are on right now belonged to an indigenous group. A statement like this erases that history of colonialism Indigenous people still suffer the trauma of the colonial past. Statements that elevate immigrants, while they might seem harmless, can also erase the people that were originally here. When we say immigrants make America great, it also erases the history of slavery. The U.S. was built on stolen land and on the backs of enslaved people. We get the job done. Immigrants get the job done. When people think of this statement, they might not think much of it. We're getting the job done, after all. What job are we talking about? When we think about immigrants, we often refer to them as being skilled laborers and working these backbreaking jobs. Immigrants can do more than that. Oftentimes, people think that it's productive to say things like, Without immigrants, who would work the field? Who would pick our food? Who would clean our car? Who would take care of my kids? And that's not productive. Immigrants are much more than that. Just like people are much more than what their occupation says they are. They have more to give than just their labor. That brings me to the next point. Immigrants create more jobs than they take. Immigrants create more jobs than they take. Immigrants create more jobs. Immigrants bring in Immig so Immig much money. Immig Immig immigrants so, is that the only thing that makes them Immig valuable? Immig immigrants. Immig of immigrants. course not. So let's stop placing monetary value on immigrants. Ask yourself this. Do we ever mention how much white people bring in? No. 
we are so accustomed to just seeing them as people. What about someone that doesn't have the ability to work? We should also remind ourselves to not use that as a reasoning to explain why immigrants should be able to stay in this country. How about if we think beyond that? And then DACA, the Deferred Action for Children Arrivals. Not everyone has DACA. And this is important because people without DACA still have challenges that they need to overcome. They are still unable to exist safely, so we should not look to DACA as a solution to everything. The problem with DACA is also that it criminalizes parents because it is based off of the premise that the children are not responsible for their actions. That's why no comprehensive immigration reform for parents has been able to pass. Let's also remind ourselves that DACA is a way for the U.S. government to keep note of those that need it. The government already does little to nothing to protect the rights of undocumented people. And now they have information about those that are most vulnerable. Who's to say that this information can't be given to ICE, especially in this administration? Let's demand more from our government and this country and for ourselves. Let's rethink immigration. Let's be critical of the status quo and believe in change. Let's hope. Wow, that one is a history lesson for the books, isn't it? Yeah, a lot of people forget that the supercontinent was actually made up of several continents. It's crazy to think that they can all be separated at one point, you know? Yeah. Francisco Franchi. Oh, turn it up, turn it up. Yes, of course, of course. Would you like another super kale? Go-go drink? Uh, sure. I mean, it is good for on the go-go. Truly. Here you go. Crack one open. Nice and hot. Steaming. What is cool for you? What makes you cool? For me, cool is not giving as such. Cool is freedom. The fact that you can be yourself and express yourself without any restrictions. You can walk or run wherever and whenever. I express this freedom through my sneakers. We all have that one pair of kicks that truly represent more than the price paid, but for the value it carries. Shoes have been here throughout our baby steps and are still taking us forward. My band, for example, have skated more than miles but still carry me to my adventure. Who says you need to be a skater to wear bands? Do you necessarily need to hoop if you wear basketball shoes? Are you a cop if you wear combat boots? I don't think so. See, I'm just a regular person and don't fit in with the categories based on what shoes have on people. I wear what I want based on what I like and how I feel. I go where the wind blows and where my shoe takes me. Each and every one of my shoes tells a story and it symbolizes part of my freedom. Disregarding what type of shoes they are and what trying to step by them. When you feel cool, do you feel free? When you feel free, do you feel cool? These are some questions that I think are important to ask oneself. I wrote this poem based on what I have talked about and my representation of what freedom is, and it's called Maybe. I carry on with weight as I carry on by the days. I smell fear with being buried on today. My muscles ache and my feet are cold. Among the hustle, I remain being what's been told. Am I what I say I am, or am I a lie trying to face the facts? I sleep, I dream, repeat. I dream, I sleep, then repeat. 
I wake up with my outfit on, feeling orange off the wall, feeling poor and going through withdrawals. I step to the direction where the early morning ended it all. Look right through my shoes and tell me what it really solves. was some lovely poetry. There was some lovely poetry. You know, my my brother's cousin's friend's boyfriend does poetry. It's a beautiful art. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Well, I'll be sure not to listen to any of it. Ah, he's such a kidder. Yeah. I Love Yolo Kali by Gianna Lightfoot. Yeah, the, let's do the last one for the round, yeah? Close it off? Sure, why not? Normally... I'm not very good at answering what things are to me. How does one answer a question like that directly? Yolagali is ice cream at home after a really hot day. Yolagali is where you find your friends after being alone all day. Yolagali is every crazy idea in your head being brought to life before your eyes. Yolagali is colors and vibrance and doodling and butts and sparkles and dreams. This is a place where you become one with art and find yourself in the process. Yolo Gali is the coolest virtual space ever. Yolo Gali is a second home. Oh man, we really should have put some beds in here. Yeah, it's taken quite a while. That was a lovely story, though. Yeah. Love to listen to it. So, don't you think that we should have, uh, stopped by now? What's yeah. On? Yeah, we should have. We've been through, like, four cans of, uh, Super Kelp Go Go drink. Dear God. What happened? Octavia. No. Dear God. What's wrong? Please tell me. This machine is set to 2015 B.C. No, We're stuck here for all eternity! By the time we make it, we'll be dead. We knew the risks that came with this, didn't we? Why didn't we put a failsafe? Oh, God. Pass me another can of Super Kelp Go-Go drink. Of course. Last thing we'll ever ingest. Super Kelp Go Go Drink. Good for on the go go. And we're back. Remember, you are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, and I am your host, Melissa. And this is our fifth year anniversary show, our time back in a time machine, I guess, and commemorating one of the best moments of What's Up and, you know, our just, just the best projects we have made. And for my turn, I guess my turn for the half hour, um, it's just, you know, commemorating one of the best projects we've done. And so our next one is an audio piece um, we submitted for What We Hold. Um, it's actually 
um, made by Diego Barrera, and it's called El Gaban, and I really like this audio piece. I think it's really heartfelt, and when I heard it, I definitely thought it was one of the most beautiful pieces I've heard, I guess. But without further ado, I think we should listen to it, and, you know, I know you're going to enjoy it. Tú me preguntaste una vez cuando estábamos organizando unas cobijas y las estaba sacando y te dije, esta no, uh, y me preguntaste por qué. Te dije, no, esta no porque esa había pertenecido a mi papá, que es el único recuerdo que tengo de él, en cosa material. Y te dije, de esta no me voy a deshacer. My name is Diego Barrera. And this is about my grandfather's gaban. This story consists of me and my mom cleaning out our closets where I stumble upon this gaban that I am mistaken for a raggedy old blanket. But it's a good thing I didn't throw it out. That way, I wouldn't have gotten to know who my grandfather was. Era muy respetuoso. A veces era bromista. Um... Lo que aprendí también mucho de él era que le gustaba mucho leer y que le gustaba aprender. Eso es lo que aprendí de él, que nos enseñó. Le gustaba llevarse bien con todas las personas. Pues la convivencia que siempre trataba de hacer uh, que estuviéramos todos juntos, reunidos, llevarnos bien. Que le gustaba mucho estar en familia. My grandfather was tall, dark, and had very long, curled eyelashes, hence where mines come from. Born, raised, and died in Yuriria, Guanajuato, Mexico, he loved to educate himself and was a very respectful man. He had a major influence on my mother. She is a strong, independent woman who prevails and makes the best out of the situation she is stuck in. With his passing in 2001, she was hit the hardest. It was devastating only having a gaban and her son's features to remind her of her beloved father. Un tipo que le, le llaman gaban, que se usa en México los hombres, para protegerse del frío en invierno. Pues es como un recuerdo de, de él, que tengo de él. Ah, físicamente, aunque no, ya no lo voy a poder ver nunca. Por eso la conservo. Y es una manera de, de tener un recuerdo de él. Pero tengo muchas cosas que él me enseñó que cuando estaba en México no, no lo entendía hasta ahora que estoy aquí. Que, creo la última vez vino aquí a Chicago. Duró unos días y siempre trataba de, de darme consejos a mí y a tu tía María. Esa fue la última memoria que, es, que tuve de él. Sacaron físicamente de él, que él era alto y tenía, siempre llamaba la atención sus ojos de él, sus pestañas. Eso fue lo que sacaron de tu abuelo. My mother is one of many immigrants who couldn't return to their homelands to see their loved ones one last time. So they hold an item or memory that they hold dear to their heart. Él murió en México. No, no puedo. Pues es triste y doloroso porque no puedes ir a, 
a verlo por última vez. This gaban represents my grandfather and how it is the only thing that we have to remember him and to keep his memory alive in our family. For the past 16 years, I didn't know who he was as a person because I never met him. And if we hadn't been cleaning out old blankets, I probably still would have been in the dark on who this man was and how much he meant to my mom, especially since my mom never cries. Esta era una experiencia muy importante y triste para conocer a mi abuelo through my mom, and I know to hold his memory close and dear to my heart. And that was El Gaban by Diego Barrera. And next up, we have this clip from a radio show that I actually participated in. Um, and it was interviewing this band called Rata Sancelo. And I'm choosing this because I felt like that was one of my most interesting like radio shows I kind of participated in. One, because like it has like my musical taste, I guess. So they you know cover a lot of punk music. But also, I really like this next clip I'm going to show, which is just a conversation about you know how cops manage you know the role cops play in our society and you know this was recorded in the summer of 2019 and it foreshadows so much of what has been happening in like the last year so i definitely wanted to include it just because um i'm not saying whatsapp kind of predicts the future but it might but yeah just in a bigger picture i like enjoyed it and definitely like i really liked what we were discussing but you know i'm just going to include a small clip about how policing functions in their opinion and without further ado let's listen to it hello and we are back and you are listening to wlpn lp chicago 105.5 fm lumpen radio what's up and we are in conversation with ratas and Celo. say hello Hi. What's up? <laughs> So we were just touching up on a, a lot of good subjects. We talked about DIY scenes. We talked about where you all are from and your music influences and how the band started. So touching up on the last part, we were talking about authorities and police, security, and spaces. Can you talk to me a little bit about your song, Policia? Yeah, you know, uh, I always thought like, yeah, we know when, we ne we're not going to make a song about police like every other band because, you know, I didn't want to give the energy. But I guess sometimes... You kind of want to let it out. Those things that, as at least uh, my personal opinion, I had since I was like my, you know, a child. Like you see all the police brutality. You especially in our, in our countries too. You grow up with that, you know. And sometimes you just want to let it out. And I felt like it was necessary. And it it really empowered us because it tells policias no mas. It's also a way of like. If you educate the children to follow their dreams and their full potential, they wouldn't be these young people yawning the police because they have a no way out. And I'm saying this for experience. You know, one of my exes, actually, he wanted to be an actor, but if, because it didn't work, he gave up, he got frustrated, and he joined the police. And it happens all the time now, though we have all these people frustrated, angry at their lives, becoming people with power over other people. And that is not right. 
So I felt like it was a way of, you know, letting it out and empowering people and just, you know, being conscious about this problem, you know, educate the, the youth about it. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that's a really important thing you just said because I feel like at least here in Chicago we focus on like oh you know it's a cop this and that but nobody really sits down and thinks like this is a human being that has their own issues their own problems they're in the working you know mode and they're bound to take it out on somebody you know what I mean I feel like that's been reoccurring in my head a lot lately when I when I come across situations with cops myself or see somebody on my peers and I'm just like you know you need to take some water and relax you know because I'm just like you don't have to talk to us like that. But yeah, and and how you're touching up on like youth, like I was just like thinking also about how in the United States here in Chicago the is police um, brutality. Yeah. Or it's like it's just cops like to lash out on you because they feel like they have more power. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I there's there's cops in schools. So that's mm-hmm. really important. And according to Urban Institute, sixty seven percent of high school students have a cop in their school and more than likely they're in areas with um higher rates of Hispanics and black students. Absolutely. So that's insane. So yeah, I think that What's your intake on, like, police around youth? Um, Anybody else? (laughs) Hopefully, people can teach their children, right? Like, well, I'm a a pre-K teacher, so when we teach about community helpers, we have to say, well, firefighters do this, and doctors do that, and then police officers, like, they help the community, like, and... (laughs) I mean, I have to say that because it's part of the curriculum, whatever, but at home, my niece and my nephew, they know, like, the cop, a police officer is not your friend. You know, they're there, like, that's their job, whatever, but that's not someone that's going to help you. So hopefully people can teach their children that, okay, yes, uh, it's part of the community, it's part of society, like, we have police officers, and but if you have an issue, if you have a problem, that they're not the ones to call. They're not the ones to trust. They won't help you. They, they will only make things worse. Yeah, like, teach young people that. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, I don't like the idea of myself of cops in school. I feel like it can really ruin um, a youth's future through, like, a minor mistake that, you know, we're learning and we make mistakes, so... Yeah, I definitely agree that from, like, some knowledge from home, like, letting your young people know, like, hey, you know, if it comes down to that, do it. But, you know, there's other people you can go to as well. I was, like, I would say personally, since I'm, like, in school or whatever, (laughs) yeah, I think it, like, it makes me nervous. I don't know, walking in the halls, although I know I don't have anything, I don't do anything wrong, just, like, nervousness, like, the feeling that I know someone is better than me or superior or, like, can do anything and I can't do anything about it. So yeah, I, ca- I understand the nervousness and like... But is it an actual like police officer or yeah, like a security? A, no, actual secu- police officer oh, with their badge, and gun and everything. Clothes. Yeah, With a gun? Mm-hmm. Some of them will carry guns. And that was a short clip of um, an interview we did, you know, with Rata Sancelo. And next up, we have another radio show clip, and that was by the one of my favorites. You know, all of them, I'm adding my favorites, obviously, but um, this was um, from The Roundhouse, and this was actually recorded during the spring of 2020. And as you may know, um, you know, pandemic hit us. We were all quarantined. But I included this one because, you know, we read the book. I really liked it. 
and like I definitely think that it's something that has like kind of ingrained in my head but also if I were to you know have a quick summary of my whole 2020 like montage of my life or whatever I don't know why it's just this show is really ingrained in my head like I remember like almost every moment of it so you know I just chose to include it and I mean you guys should listen to the whole radio show I think it's really interesting you know we just talk about how how you know just um and you know in relations to the book how it is growing up and specifically in native american reservations and just overall how much like uh, maybe the situation you're in either by like you know if you face either a type of discrimination or something that can how it impacts your life and how you know a lot of factors that that induce trauma kind of trigger you know the situation you're in but anyway um not to get too negative on that but i really enjoy this audio piece and i just felt like it should be commemorated because i think it was i don't know man i think it was one of my best works i guess not works but you know project wise I think we planned it really well and you know I just enjoy the structure of it so I think it deserves some praise and you know commemoration or whatever so let's go listen to that you know well I guess the events in you know the events that happened in the book kind of forced Joe to grow up I mean that's something that we can all agree on you know Joe was 13 years old at the time but after these events we can kind of see him kind of transition from you know being a young child to kind of taking on a very more mannish role, I guess you could say. He takes it upon himself to try and find, you know, who did this to his mom. And I think it's not only, you know, him. It You can also see it, like, in his friends who are kind of see him, seeing him struggle with, you know, facing the situation that his mom is in. Do you guys have any thoughts about, like, you know, Joe and him being forced to grow up? Yeah, actually, right after that section that Emmanuel just read, it talks about a little bit about how Joe starts working with his father to basically partner up and for them to work on their own on the case and how he gets paid a dollar to bike to his father's office and help out with like the the case. And I think that that goes to show how you just mentioned like he was 13 at that time and like also understanding like the trauma or the event that happened with his mother and also just knowing that like you know the one thing on his mind is yes I need to help my father and we need to find out who did this and yeah we see throughout the book that that main idea just kind of like leads him to start exploring different things and starts growing up in different ways and discovering I guess the reality of some situations and specifically in his community in the reservation Mm. Yeah. And I mean, there's not only that kind of thing that happened with, you know, the mom being uh, assaulted. There was also kind of like you could see how the mom was the one who was, you know, like the pillar uh, of the family. She was the one kind of holding them together. You know, like they they kind of relied on the mother for like a lot. She would cook and clean and everything. But after, you know, after everything happened, um, they were they kind of became kind of like a mess, along with the fact that they were trying to, you know, help resolve the case do you guys have anything like any opinion about like that strong parental presence that um the mom kind of had throughout the book yeah i think that the book also neatly expresses that and very like it like vividly it doesn't try to hide the fact that like yes the males in this household are kind of like falling apart not only just trying to figure out the case but also trying to live a different lifestyle now that the mother is taking different ways to heal you know taking time and just staying in her room and 
obviously not being very present in the household and you know it it also the book emphasizes that it is also taking a toll on joe and his father as like as a whole and you know i think they also start reflecting a lot on like the simple moments that they took for granted um and how like the mom was very easygoing in certain situations like if a mistake happened in the kitchen you know they would all laugh it out but like now the mother's laugh and voice was absent in the space and they were like very much able to feel that. So yeah, and I think that not right now, but in a couple of minutes, we're going to listen to a very powerful audio that touches up on that specific part that the woman, the mother is one of the most important pieces of the structure of family for them in particularly. And I mean, I think, you know, here like us in the Latino community, I think that's also something that's very important. I think we do rely a lot on our mothers and they're kind of like, they have a very central role, you know, in our lives. I would also say, like, I like how the book doesn't, like, choose to hide it or, like, follow any, like, stereotypical, like, misogynistic, like, ideals going on to that. Where, like, they blatantly, like, say the mom was, like, the leader of their family. The mom was the one who controlled everyone and told everyone what to do. And she was, like, the main one that everyone looked up to. And once, like her um facing any hardship like could tear down a family and could like affect anyone of them in the family so i really like how those aspects changes and like really brings up how like important it is to have like um like a maternal figure in your family yeah i think one other thing that i also noticed is the family structure of joe's family was not only important to them but also to joe's friends because I remember this one particular part in the book where like they mentioned that if this event hadn't happened, that Joe and his friends could have easily just gone to Joe's house for snacks and just to chill. But like it wasn't a regular day where they can just do that and go and just eat all the food in Joe's house because they had to be more considerate of the situation. And like um, that kind of puts me to think too, like in our communities, like it's often seen that there's that one family that kind of is there for like an entire group of friends. And that's like the household that kind of looks out for that group of friends. And I feel like that was also seen here that like, not only was the family directly interrupted, but also their peers around them and how they were certain people trying to come in and be there for the family, but there was like only so much that they can do. Emmanuel, do you have any thoughts on this? Like, you know, the, you know, the role that the mom played here in the book? It was definitely... Throughout, there would be, you know, not necessarily flashbacks, but more so talk about how, how like the family dynamic and the whole like vibe was before the mother's incident, before her rape, and then after. And definitely the book started more so like after the incident, and we just got to see life and the whole family structure and dynamics after the incident and how everybody was either trying to find relief or you know get over it or if they were trying just like you know how everybody's standpoint was and viewpoint after the whole situation so I definitely saw that in the book and throughout not only obviously the victim the mother but also you know the father the the son and also all of his friends and the community around them so you know aunts and uncles and community leaders like everybody played a different role in the whole situation and definitely some 
like acted better than others or reacted, but definitely it was, you know, common uh, throughout the book that everybody, you know, had like respect for the whole situation and I think dealed with it in a good way. So yeah, I saw that in the book. I think you bring up a really good point on how the book did start picking up like after the incident. So basically all that we know about like the family dynamic before we learned through like the flashbacks or the comments of like, okay, now this is missing in the, in this current time. And that's how we were able to kind of formulate what was happening before the incident. So I think that's a really good point. Yeah. And the book also, I see, used a lot of like specific scenarios and imagery, like things like where, you know, Joe and the, the book starts with Joe and his dad picking weeds from the side of the house and something as simple as, you know, yard work and garden work is seen throughout the book to have changed something that the family, you know, would do specifically the mother, Geraldine, she really was, you know, into yard work and gardening. And that's something that shifts after the incident. And you can see that she no longer is, I guess, making that a priority and sees more taking time to herself for self-reflection and healing as a priority. And you can see that shift throughout the book. Yeah, definitely. I think this ties in into what I'm about to say, ties in into the next topic of like going more into women and domestic violence. But I have a question for you all. Do you think that the mother Geraldine was actually given time, like considerably time to heal? Or do you guys think that she was being a little pressured to speak up? And that was a clip from our roundhouse show. Um, I hope you enjoyed it. I mean, it's a really nice show. So listen to it when you have time, I guess. Um, it's on SoundCloud, so if you just search it up. Yeah, it's a really nice structured show. But anyway, I just want to maybe say some things before we get into our last interview. So, you know, I just wanted to say, you know, we I've been, at least me, um, I've been in WhatsApp, I think, since the summer 2018. And now it's spring 2021. And, you know, it's been a really nice experience being there. Um, definitely, um, I've learned a lot. Just, you know, not necessarily like, you know, all radio production and all that. But I've learned um, a lot of instruction and all that. But, you know, regardless of that, I think we, I think WhatsApp creates team the whatsapp team creates really great content and you know it's been a really nice experience and also just celebrating our fifth year anniversary and just you know the best experiences many could you know face you know i just wish WhatsApp the best of everything so let's get into our last clip which is um an interview with um henry rollins which i did i mean i really like henry rollins just because like you know black flag and all that and um it was a really nice interesting experience i guess because i ended up interviewing a, an important person you could say um also it was a kind of like a fan moment so it was a really nice experience and because of that i want to commemorate it so without further ado, let's listen to my interview with Henry Rollins, I guess. So I have this question for you, saying, like social media and all that. Like, how would you improve this generation? Well, when you see statistics that say that literacy levels are dropping in, a, in the United States, that's, that's, a, that's terrifying. Uh, people need to know how to read. I mean, educated people make really good choices most of the time. And so I would really be stressing and this is nothing new. I'd be the education. I mean, if I was president, I'd be the education president. I'd be like, we're defunding this. Don't need any more tanks. 
we need more books and we need more laptops on, on, on desks and we need more kids in the school because that's how you make better choices. There's your border security. There's your uh, anti-terrorist thing. Smart people. And that's how you make a cleaner, better, smarter end of this century. And so I think that's what you know, concerns me and alarms me in this country. And the meanness of getting to be anonymous online, where you can Facebook someone into a state of low self-esteem. And a young person who feels bad about themselves when their hormones are raging and they're changing as they're growing, I think a lot of bad things can happen. And so I'm not trying to sound like some old prude, but I think America is a great place. The United States is a great place. And I think currently there's a lot to lose. And when you see literacy, the literacy rates dropping, that's a sign that we need to reprioritize expenditure and what the president should be saying and where he should be leaning his priorities. I don't see as I was hoping for his wife to step in. She's she's not she's letting me down. And so those would be my my concerns. I totally agree with that. You can never go wrong with more education. No, yeah, totally. It's what my mom did for a living. She worked in the government trying to get public education systems to deliver better. So imagine her disappointment. I mean, recently in Chicago, we had like the strike for teachers. Yes, resolved today, right? Yeah, Yeah. yesterday. 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 Yeah, it resolved when I got in yesterday, Mm -hmm. yeah. I personally think that's really impactful because I know for me, like we don't have much resources and like teachers put a lot of time in what we're learning. And it's only the future. Why wouldn't you, why would any teacher or any student say there's not enough of, like, really? If, if it was, if I got to boss around that money, I'd just be asking teachers, like, what, what, do, you what, what do you need? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, how do you really make this, this place really cook? And they go, well, we need this, this, and this. Like, let's go. Like, are you kidding? Let's go. And when you see where the money goes, you're like, wow, we're, we're going to really be at a great disadvantage at the end of this century. And you just heard an interview with Henry Rollins during the Chicago Humanities Festival series, I guess, we did um, back in fall of 2019. Um, And that also sums up, like, the end of at least this half-hour show. Um, You know, you're going to listen to more, I guess, fifth-year anniversary content in the next half-hour. But yeah, that was it. So remember, you are listening to WLPN, LP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, And I am your host, Melissa, and we'll be right back. What's up? What's up? My name is Antonio. And today, we're going back in time in our own What's Up time machine, remembering some of our unforgettable moments. So buckle up, prepare. This will be a bumpy ride. Oh, not now. Oh, much better. To the past and beyond. What's up? Sheesh! That was a bumpy ride. <laughs> Where are we? Oh, this is an interview with Quinto Imperio. Let's listen to it. You are tuned into La Mesita Production. Ready for more? Well, we have the right frequency for you. Next up, Quinto Imperio.
Hello, everyone. Welcome to La Mesita. My name is Antonio. My partner is David. He's with me. We hope you all have a great day in Chicago. Today, we're proud to have a famous local band, Heroes from El Barrio de las Yardas, Quinto Imperio. Hello. Kingdom Perry started as a family project a short time after Dominguez immigrated from Mexico to reunite with his family in Chicago in 2000. The original group was composed of Eddie, his brother Freddy, and his father Marciano. Then Adriana Velázquez, animador Quinte Ríos, y conguero Juan López se unió a la banda. But as the band expanded, to include several friends, they discovered they had something in common. At that time, all were indocumentados. Hola amigos, ¿qué tal? Sean bienvenidos. Hola, gracias por invitarnos. Estamos contentos de estar aquí con ustedes. Igualmente, aquí, pues, felices de tenerlos, un gran grupo. Eh, buenos ejemplos en la comunidad. Uh, nos encanta uh, tenerlos aquí. Muchas gracias. Ahora, para la gente que no los conoce, pueden presentarse uno por uno. Hola, buenas, buenas tardes, depende de cuando estén escuchando. Me llamo Quintiliano Ríos Pérez y uh, paso mi nombre de escenario es Quinti. Soy uh, MC y tecladista de Quinto Imperio. Hola, yo soy Adriana Velázquez, cantante y cantante de Quinto Imperio también. Hola, soy este Freddy, uh, soy el baterista del grupo y yo no canto. <risa> ah, yo soy Eddie Domínguez eh, y soy eh, cofundador y soy cantante y tecladista de Quinto Imperio. Hola, ¿qué tal? Mi nombre es Marciano Domínguez y yo soy el papá de los pollitos. Y estoy muy feliz de estar aquí en, en Quinto Imperio y también aquí con ustedes. Soy el guitarrista del grupo. Muy bien, qué interesante. Todos con su personalidad. Como les mencionamos, ustedes eran, tienen algo en común. Eran inmigrantes y eran uh, teenagers uh, en ese tiempo, como les mencionamos. Ahora, por los primeros años de la banda, en ese tiempo, ¿cómo eran cuando comenzaron? Era, era un proyecto que no sabíamos para dónde iba y lo único que sabíamos es que mis hermanos y yo queríamos hacer un poco de música. Entonces, este, era algo para estar entretenidos y para hacer algo positivo. Eh, cuando, inicialmente, cuando yo les invité a mis hermanos a que, a que hiciéramos un proyecto musical, un grupo, casi, casi yo ya sabía la respuesta, que la respuesta era sí, porque desde que vivíamos en México teníamos esa, como esa inquietud. Y luego aquí en el barrio Las Empacadoras, en la iglesia de Santa Cruz, Uh, pues eran parte del coro y, del, y parte del grupo de marimba, entonces siempre hemos estado involucrados en, en la música de, de alguna manera, pero la música fue como, el inicio del grupo fue como una, fue un elemento más para mantener, eh, pues yo creo que a todos, incluyéndome a mí, pero a mis hermanos que eran más pequeños, a que estuvieran a salvo, haciendo algo interesante, haciendo algo positivo, en lugar de, de que se involucraran cosas negativas en la calle. Y pues era algo muy divertido. ¿Cómo era cuando empezamos? ¿Cuál es tu perspectiva, Freddy? Pues este, hubo momentos donde uh, pues uno quiere salir a la calle o estar con sus amigos o lo que sea y se tenía que poner el, el, se tenía que poner el empeño, el, el trabajo para poder pues, avanzar. 
aprender. Este, so, en, hubo, un, hubo un tiempo de, de dificultad en eso, pero ya poco a poco pues uno se va acostumbrando y le va gustando lo que va haciendo y les gusta... Bueno, a mí me empezó a gustar el, el escenario y dije, pues, de aquí soy. <risa> de aquí soy. Es que, es que Freddy y, y Hugo, eh, que Hugo es cuatro años menor que yo y Freddy es ocho años menor que yo, este, y empezamos cuando yo tenía 18. Right? Y, y entonces, este... Querían salir a jugar fútbol o querían este, irse a la alberca, especialmente en el verano. Pero en ese tiempo que apenas estábamos empezando, yo me, me puse como muy estricto y los practicábamos, ensayábamos casi todo el día, como desde 10 de la mañana hasta las 10 de la noche. Solamente parábamos para comer o para unos, unos descansos aquí y allá. Y, sí, ellos cierto, se... eh, sí, <ríe> y ellos se enojaban conmigo porque pues no los dejaba ir a, a, a jugar fútbol todo el tiempo o, o estar en, todo el tiempo afuera en, en el parque o lo que sea, pero al final estuvo bien, ¿no? Mm -hmm. <ríe> Según yo. Ustedes siempre tienen un mensaje en sus lyrics, en, su, en la letra de sus canciones, un mensaje hacia la comunidad. ¿Ese siempre ha sido la misión de Quinto Imperio o ha sido o ha tenido otro significado? Yo creo que es, es como ambas cosas, porque um, todos somos inmigrantes y creo que muchas veces para todos los músicos, cuando haces música, especialmente cuando escribes y creas, viene de algo parcialmente o totalmente real. Y nuestra experiencia aquí en Chicago, en, en Estados Unidos, ha sido de ser indocumentados, de ver a nuestras familias eh, trabajar duro y, y también ver las injusticias. Entonces creo que muchas de las cosas que nos llegan es, es tanto lo bonito como lo triste, ¿no? Y por eso es que nuestra música está tan arraizada en lo que es el movimiento inmigrante porque es nuestras vidas y porque también eh, cuando íbamos creciendo nos dimos cuenta que podíamos expresar algo positivo y dar aliento y dar como que fuerza a nuestra gente um, con el medio de la música que nosotros teníamos. Yo creo que esto fue más bien dándose durante el, el tiempo eh, yo, yo empecé a notar cuando ellos empezaron a hacer música. Digo, ellos empezaron porque yo, yo comencé eh, después. Yo los veía uh, y empezaban ellos a, a tocar con las canciones típicas que había en el mercado o que habían pasado en, ese, en, ese, en esa temporada, en ese tiempo. Pero al estar en este país y al observar ciertas cosas, al principio, como todos los niños, ellos eran niños, están eh, bastante distraídos solamente con, con, con vivir su vida de niños y solamente están pensando en lo que transcurre en su alrededor de, de, su, de su edad, de su ambiente de niños. Pero por ahí se fue filtrando un poquito un ambiente diferente. El hecho de, de vivir en este país como inmigrantes, ellos al venir a, eh, a una edad temprana aquí en Estados Unidos, no se dan cuenta exactamente de qué, qué está sucediendo. Tal vez, como muchos niños, no se enteraban de que, que, que no teníamos documentos o alguna cosa por el estilo. Y yo, el adulto, estaba observando es, esas, esas cosas y con ese tiempo me, me, me fui dando cuenta de que eh, era difícil para ellos, pero a la vez, poco a poco, se fueron... Eh, empapando o, o, o no sé, agarrando un poquito de, de ese ambiente, adaptándose un poquito a un nuevo ambiente conforme ellos se iban dando cuenta de lo que realmente estaba sucediendo. 
y después es, eh, ya fuimos entrando un poquito más de lleno al, hasta el activismo, vamos a decir. Ah, una cosa que hemos notado sobre ustedes es que la banda es muy activista. ¿Cómo han mantenido la lucha por los derechos de los inmigrantes y al mismo tiempo ha estado activo en la música? Yo pienso que basado en nuestras experiencias, nuestra música siempre ha hablado sobre lo que es ser inmigrante, nuestras experiencias, pero también sobre todo la canción de Crónica Inmigrante de no perder el ánimo o no, o no perder el aliento. Y también tomamos ese mensaje nosotros mismos y pensamos en formas de, de ayudar en la comunidad porque nosotros mismos hemos recibido mucha ayuda de la comunidad. Varios de nosotros fuimos becados por becas comunitarias, uh, pudimos continuar nuestros estudios, etc. Entonces, una de las iniciativas que, que salió por parte de, de hecho de Hugo, que es el bajista, hermano de, de Eddie y de Freddy, um, era una beca. Y, y creamos una beca que se llama la beca de Dreamers and Alex Run, donde las personas que corren el Maratón de Chicago consiguen patrocinadores y basado que los patrocina por cada milla y de esa milla, de ese dinero, todo va directamente para becas, para accidentes uh, indocumentados, uh, específicamente en el barrio de las empacadoras. Entonces, este, siempre ha sido como una, una combinación entre hablar de algo, pero también hacer o como guiar, por ejemplo. Wow, great times. Ha. Interview with Quinto Imperio, a local band amazing band they have tried the best to like keep the community strong and the undocumented community keep it together with their songs with their projects that they do it was, it's amazing what's that sound let me go check oh my jesus i think i just hit my hair really hard kermit what are you doing here this is dangerous this is a time machine what are you doing in the You don't even... Oh my god. Why are you in the engine? Uh, I kind of fell when I was sleeping in the ceiling. What were you doing in the ceiling? Sleep? Oh my... Just sit. Come over here. Come over here. You could burn inside. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay, Kermit. You could introduce us to the next memory. Let's go. Okay, I'm down with that. And next stop is... Tropa Mágica Hello everyone, my name is Jeremiah Guzman and today on La Mesita, we're happy to have our wonderful music guest, Tropa Mágica. Welcome, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. You know, just trying to stay indoors, stay healthy, and then have a little tequilita on a Friday maybe. Ah, okay. First and foremost, thank you for being with us here today. I've noticed that the, there's only one of you. Was your brother unable to attend this meeting? My brother is uh, living in Albuquerque, or I'm living in Albuquerque, but my brother's living in LA still, so it's kind of hard, you know, to, uh, well, he's out there now, so that's why he's not with me right now. But um, yeah, he's uh, he's over there in East LA, probably eating some bon tacos while I'm out here in Albuquerque eating green chili. Ah, okay, interesting. Well, foremost, th well, thank you for being with us here today. We're excited to talk with you today. Before we get started, would you kindly share your name and your instrumental role in Tropa Magica? Okay, my name is David Pacheco. I play the guitar, I sing, 
I write the songs and I take care of like doing all the graphic work and yeah, and all the management parts for the band. Okay, okay. Let's get to know Trapa Mexica. Who is Trapa Mexica? Could you introduce yourself again and your brother and who are the band members of it? Okay, so it's not Trapa Magica, it's Tropa Magica. Tropa, Tropa like, a troop, magic, okay. yeah, troop, like a magical troop. And uh, so in the band, it's, uh, it's cons- there's different members that come and go. So my brother and I are the two main ones. So my brother is Rene Pacheco, I'm David Pacheco. But we have our bassist, Jason Juarez. We have a second guitarist who's Brandon Santos. We have a piano player who can sometimes vary from Daniel Everett G or Esteban Flores. And then we have a saxophone player named Daniel Richardson and a violin player called Caitlin Wolfberg. And the other members sometimes join us. We usually try to keep it at four because it's easier to travel on the road as a four piece, as opposed to like, uh, you know, if it was like seven of us, it would, like, I mean, we, we it's, 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 um, it's not feasible right now for us, but yeah, there's, uh, there's four to seven members depending on the event, the occasion. Okay. Okay. When was the band formed and founded? So this band, Tropa Magica, we started the band two years ago. Uh, previous to that, we had a band called The Commons, and uh, our niche that we developed was this uh, niche called the Psychedelic Cumbia Punk, which is um, it's this emblematic kind of, of the Latino experience, but with this like kind of like East LA cumbia feel mixed with like this punk. And then like, you know, you have like the hipsters in Echo Park mixing that psychedelic element. And so it all came together and it formed Tropa Magica. Wow, interesting. As a band, you have gone through a change with Tropa, with Tropa Magica y La Muerte de los Decomans. This is one of your LPs, is it not? Uh, yeah, it's it's the EP. The first album we did was called y La Muerte de los Commons, which is just kind of like us being obvious about like, you know, um, the name change and because um, people were asking, you know, and like at the time it was just kind of like, why don't we just make an album, call it y La Muerte de los Commons. So like, you know, just kind of like, like we're giving like little cues and like little homage to our other band okay okay wow um are you currently working on any new material any new music any new albums yeah so right now we're actually um we already recorded the album it's this new album it's going to be called uh, tripiando al infinito in mi recamera and uh, it's 12 songs we've recorded these songs in december mixed them in january and they've been ready just like you know with the quarantine we haven't been able to tour it so we have that album that's already ready and um, we also we're working on like my, my brother and I even though like we're isolated like we're apart we're still like sending each other music and like we're working on a follow-up album for this one that's not even out yet which will be like just straight up cumbia album um you know just easy something fun light-hearted because this album that's coming out right now it's a lot more produce it has a lot more there's a lot more work into it and it got like it got to the point where it, it was like work you know and it's very artistic in that sense it's like it's very like you know like just like we we went we just went hard on it and so for the new album the one that we're going to follow up it's going to be more lighthearted. but yeah right now we have a new album coming out in august wow oh uh, that's going to be something to look forward to right <laughs> oh yeah what drew inspirations for uh, La Tropa Magica to draw inspiration from, like, as you said, punk genres and all, and all that, to create and play with those sounds? What, what drew your inspiration to those? What, what drew your attention to, the, to those specific genres? Well, us being from East LA, you know, there's like a big thriving punk scene, backyard punk scene. And uh, 
and so us like you know when we were in high school or like after high school there was this element of like uh just like everywhere there was like punk shows and so that was like something that we felt like we needed to encapsulate because we grew up in that kind of scene even though we didn't play like that type of punk um so that was very influential in our style also a big aspect of the punk thing was like the, our attitude you know like um doing our own releases pressing our own records um touring like you know doing our doing all the management for it so in that element that's how we blend the punk okay now you've had many in, in artist inspirations musically correct from los psychos to nirvana who are your influential music artist inspirations growing up to like who who were they growing up growing up i mean my brother and i we always listened to like we like to listen to this radio station called radio disney it was like it just played like you know they played like banga bus and stuff and like aquabats and like just like silly songs you know like pop songs and uh we were into that when we were little kids and obviously you know like that's what we like to listen to in the radio pero también teníamos uh we also had you know our parents they would always like we would go to like bautizos or comuniones and quinceañeras and then there's like there's like bandas playing norteños mariachis and so because our parents are like they they came over here in the 80s. We didn't we didn't grow up with like soldies or anything like that. We grew up with like more Mexican regional music. Yeah, okay. If you were given the opportunity to create and perform a track with three artists, who would it be? Let's see, with three artists. I you mean he already passed, even if they're alive or dead, doesn't matter. Not generally. This is in our fantasy world where you you would love to like perform and collaborate with them. Oh, so I think it would be really cool to get like um, songwriting, like lyric writing lessons by Leonard Cohen. He is like one of my favorite uh, songwriters. He would be really cool. I know my brother, if he was doing this interview right now, he would say he would want to collab with Dean Martin. That's like his favorite singer. And then uh, I think John Sebastian would be another guy that I would want to collab with just to like learn because these are all people that wrote their own like well, John Sebastian, Leonard Cohen wrote their own songs that Dean Martin covered, but like, uh, yeah, like probably those three for now. I mean, yeah, in a fantasy world. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. Um, okay, so you've done covers ranging from Chico Che to Nirvana. What other artist would you like to cover and give your Tropa Magica twist? Let's say your Tropa Magica magic. So, Actually, I did this album as my solo project kind of thing. It's called Churro Triste. And uh, I covered a lot of bands. It's, um, it's 10 songs I covered, the Beatles, I covered, I covered the Misfits, I covered David Bowie, Pink Floyd, Amy Winehouse. So I've already done some of them already. So, uh, but I think one that I would want to get into and do a twist on it would probably be, um, hmm, that's a good one. I don't know. I feel like I already did that, you know? I did all those, like, the covers that I wanted to, so I'm kind of done doing covers. I want to do, like, write, just keep writing stuff now. Keeping it original? I like that. Yeah. Okay. Throughout your LP, EP art covers, we see your deep connection with flowers, roses, and locations like a, de like a desert and the moon as well. Why these settings and symbols? Like, why specifically them? Well, that's a good question, uh, and I'm glad you actually noticed, picked up on those things, because that is something that we do um, on purpose, you know, and we also pick the colors on purpose. There's um, there's that, that blue, the pinkish, the blacks, the grays in there. And those are, I mean, just like something intriguing about it, like something about space is always just kind of like, it's always just like, you're like, 
brings about amazement. You know, you could go out like on a into the desert and look up at stars and you're just like, whoa, like this is amazing. And and just this element of like it's so far away yet so near. Um, I like to play with that and and the themes. I mean, we we're not marketing experts or anything like that, but you know, as like as a musician that has to balance the artistic element and the business part, you know, you have to have a left and right brain. So with the business aspect, it's like it's a good idea. Like, you know, like Rolling Stones have the tongue, the doors have like their their like doors logo, Led Zeppelin has their little logo. Uh, what us? It's like it's a type of branding, you know. The disco ball is our type of branding. The, the astronaut, the pink, the the turquoise colors. Um, they're all part of like our our style, our theme, you know, our style. Um, so when you see those, you're kind of like, oh, that's Tropa Magica, you know. So it's like a trademark symbol to who you are as a band, correct? Yeah, I like that. Okay, going back to your music. What are a few traditional sounds that you enjoy and play? On a different note, it can be from either using different instruments or even the interplay of genres and the sound itself. Piano is one of the things that I enjoy doing. I don't do that live because it's like I'm not a proficient piano player, but I do write a lot of songs on piano. And that's always pretty fun. Just uh, just messing around because like I don't like with the chords, it's like I'm stuck to like I know chords, like the ones that I know. And so I'm kind of like limited in that aspect. But with uh, when it comes to the piano, I just go like, burp, 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 and I'm just like, I'm like, oh, that sounds pretty. That sounds beautiful. Let me mess around with that. And then, you know, and then later when I talk to our piano player, I'll be like, hey, like I came up with this riff. And he's like, he's like, oh, you're playing like this D diminished seventh with, uh, you know, in- inverted. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, but it sounds good, right? He's <laughs> just like, yeah, it's cool. So messing around with the piano is fun. I have a saxophone that I don't play. Um, but yeah, like working with violin players has also been really cool. I don't know how to play violin, but I, I can sing the violin parts. And so I'll sing it to our violin player and then she'll capture it right away. She'll listen to it and she'll be like, you know, like this. And then she starts getting it. And then I got all excited because I'm like, whoa, like it's actually like, yeah. So piano and violin are definitely things that I enjoy like experimenting with. Okay. Nice, and this was Tropa Magica. Hey, hey, calm down, calm down, Kermit. <laughs> yeah, that was Tropa Magica, another good interview, another great artist with many ideas. And without further ado, let's go to the next, what should I call it, memory from the past, this ride to the past. Where I have to recall that you don't know how to make jokes. <laughs> hey, Kermit, it, it wasn't a joke, I, I was just, I was just trying to Oh, so you were trying to be cool like me? <laughs> well, don't worry, you're cool. But yes, this right to the past. I like this right to the past. I never knew it was gonna come, but this is amazing. This is this is. Ah! Hey, calm down, Kermit. Calm down. Calm down. I know, I know you're excited, but calm down. Uh, I'm sorry. I get too excited, and I'm get really most excited because the next memory is. Adam Stone with some amazing songs. Adam Stone! Hey, hey, Kermit, calm down. And I said you could introduce the other artists. I never said you could take the show. Oh, well, I like this. I like introducing. Okay, so just calm down. Cool your beans, dude. Oh my god, we're running out of fuel, Kermit. Oh no! No! Yes, we're running out of fuel. So we'll let you guys with this song by Adam Stone. 
We hope you guys enjoy. And remember, you're listening to WLPNLP Chicago 105.5 FM, Lumpin' Radio at Yolo Kali. This is online. Stay safe out there in COVID. Enjoy. And shout out to the wonderful team, Lamisita Productions, back there, you know. And Yes, they've you. been doing a very good job. Yep. <laughs> Round of applause for them. Yes. <laughs> you. Yes, and thank you again. It was such a wonderful time. And stay yes. tuned for a live performance from Adam Stone. Oh, I like this song. It's Every Day by it's Adam Stone. to be cause I am doing things that ain't good for me it's my little kid that you used to know that I used to know has a devil soul so I won't do it again you see me falling again see me falling in the same story every day I'm fading you're taking over me I'm fading away fading away when I looked at me I don't know who I am used to be then who I am I'm writing feelings that nobody understands but I'm trying to set myself from the things inside my head trying to get away from those voices but I just don't think I can there is stronger than me and I am too afraid to lose myself inside my head cause it's full of scary laments I'm fading you're taking over me I'm fading away fading away when I look to the mirror I don't know who I am Hello, it's me. I haven't heard from you in a while. I hope it's because you're listening and enjoying our amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, wee-snatching, Lady Poppin' production. If not, you should listen to our radio show, What's Up, again. In the meantime, we'll be twerking on our next one. Here in Lumpkin Radio. So stay tuned for our next amazing, outstanding, terrific, wonderful, inspiring, delicious, funny, breathtaking, weave-snatching, highly amazing production. I hope that you were informed about the YOLO-licious parts of life and get your bag every day. Don't forget to listen to us on SoundCloud at YOLO Cali, on social media like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Tumblr at YOLO Cali, or visit at yolocali.org for more. We are the robots. We are the robots.